Hey, bro. <laughs> so, here we go. Welcome to episode three of the Sports Therapy Podcast, bro. Like, real quick, dog. We made it to episode three, man. How you feeling about that? I feel good, man. I think people have liked us so far. I think yeah. we're going to continue to improve. Yeah. And I've enjoyed it, man. Same, man. We are fast approaching 20,000 subscribers. So, if you're if you subscribe to the Sports Therapy YouTube channel, man, thank y'all so much. Obviously. Thank you. None of this is possible without y'all. Now, with that said, we also want to announce that we're um we are officially on Apple Podcasts, we're on Amazon Music, we're on Audible, and we're going to be coming super soon to Spotify and Google Podcasts. So, that's like right around the corner, you know? We're going to be launching a uh, a separate YouTube channel for the podcast clips. So that'll just be like bite-sized, kind of juicy stuff if you want to get straight to it. It's more to help us kind of get the podcast out there in YouTube's algorithm and hopefully help kind of grow the sports therapy family a little bit more. But make no mistake, if you sub to and watch one of these, like if you can only sub to and watch one of these, we prefer it be this one with the full podcast with all the context, but the clip channel is going to also be available, all right? If you're looking to help us out, just go ahead. We're going to link it below. Just go ahead and subscribe to it. Help it yep. get going into the algorithm and just help us grow. And we, yeah. we appreciate that. Yep. Um, also, quick reminder, every single Tuesday, that's when these are going to go live, the full version, um, every single week, right here on the Sports Therapy YouTube channel. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you got your notifications enabled, and we can we can pop off like that. All right. Today, we're going to be talking about our individual athletic journeys and kind of um, how we got to the point that we're at right now. We're also going to be talking about the flurry of injuries that happened this past Sunday. Like, it was crazy. Everybody was going down. We're going to discuss that briefly as well. Um, we're going to also, of course, you know what I'm saying, we got to get to the Sports Therapy Bowl, Browns, Bengals, last Thursday night. Got to discuss that. We're going to do a week three preview. We're going to talk any other NFL action that we watched. And if we have time, we may briefly discuss, like, the Xbox ps5 the, the new console generation thing that'll be at the end you feel me other than that bro we're gonna go ahead and jump in and uh i'll start out with a question bro so give me the rundown on your athletic career kind of give me your journey give me where you started give me where you ended you know what yeah. i'm saying just do your thing tell me the story that's what you do okay um also while i'm thinking about it i'm just gonna address it because people asked this vikings helmet behind me is a signed family heirloom. It, my grandma won it at an auction. It is signed by Randall, Randall Cunningham, and it's just been passed down to my dad, to me, so that is why that's there. That's and I just wanted to address that while I was thinking about it. Yeah, that's um, cool, bro. And we felt that the reason to talk about these athletic journeys was to keep helping you guys understand us and you know vibe with us going forward. That's why we're doing a lot of these personal stories. So for me, I run a football YouTube channel, and to be honest, football was my life growing up. I didn't care about a lot outside of sports, and I just gravitated towards football at an early age. I said in the last episode that I was a Browns fan, but ultimately I loved playing football more than anything in the world. The, thing, the two things, okay, first off, I was talented, but the two things that got in my way by the end was my mental, like my, my weak mindset, because I was too self-critical and I, I was too hard on myself and I was injury prone. <laughs> so I, I had to tell you this. My nickname in junior high and high school was crumpled paper. Good God. All the coaches called me crumpled paper. And crumpled at the time, 
at the origami was one I got as well. And that was because I would get tackled and it'd be that pile. And then everyone would get off the pile and I'd be like, like twisted up on the ground (laughs) and they wouldn't know if I'm getting up or not. Um, so that was the running joke nickname that I got. And the thing is I hated it. I absolutely hated it, but I didn't have the backbone to stand up to the coaches who called me that because it happened every, like there'd be something every week. So, you know, I was, my mindset was I'm going to become a professional football player. That's the big dream that every kid has, right? I get to high school and I'm a speed guy. You've seen me. I'm not that big. I'm, I'm 5'11", but I played at about 155 pounds yeah. and I played running back. Yeah. If you're going to play running back, you better be able to <laughs> do a lot given that size. Right. And I, I was fast. I was quick, but I couldn't. I wasn't durable enough to sustain that 20 carries plus type of back, you know? So my junior year in high school, we're getting ready to make a state run or a yeah, state run. My, my team hasn't made the playoffs in 20 plus years. Okay. Okay. I am technically the backup running back, but I'm more of like that third down back where I'm returning kicks. I come in for like scat plays and scat back. Yeah. yeah. Our starting running back, who's an all state back, in the game to get into the playoffs, we have to win it. He gets hurt in the first quarter. Okay. And it's my first chance to like prove myself at the varsity level. Eminem moment. And yeah, so it's one of those, all right, time to put this team on my back kind of thing. And I had a killer game. Okay. I had yeah. my one of my first carries was a pop-off. I I juked out a guy who got a scholarship to Oregon. Okay. I dropped him to his knees mm. and I ran around him, got like a 50-yard run pop-off moment and the rest of the game I just dominated I had like 175 yards and we ended up winning that game and then you went crazy we went it was the first time we'd made the playoffs since before I was born huge moment for my school yeah so like I was interviewed by the newspaper after and you know going into the playoff game it was like all right this is our time this is our chance to make a state run this will be something we'll think about forever right the play the, the game plan is around me and it's, it's like we're just rolling with the flow of how the game went last week. And in the first half of the playoff game, I'm killing it. And, you know, right before halftime, I run a wheel route. I catch the ball. There's a defender right in my face as I catch the ball. And I kind of shake him and juke to the right. I hop juke to the right. When I juke, a defender comes in and catches me, drives me into the ground with his helmet on my jaw. And it instantly fractures my jaw in three places. And so what ended up happening was I, I was on my team sideline and, and I was on the ground and I was yelling, I lost my teeth. I, I think I lost my teeth because I bit down. My jaw had shifted over by like three, four inches. So when I bit down, there was something wrong. So I was yelling, I've lost my teeth. And my running backs coach was like, you okay, man? He picks me up and just blood is just like going down my face. Yeah. And so they pulled me off to the sideline and they're trying to talk to me. But my whole mouth is just like, it's like, it feels like wires. Like when you have a bunch of wires coiled up, yeah. that's how my jaw felt in like the back. So I couldn't really open my mouth. God damn. Turns out I broke my jaw, didn't play the rest of that game, obviously. Right. And I end up having surgery the next day, which happened to be my birthday. That's brutal. So, <laughs> brutal, bro. So I, I end up having jaw surgery, getting my jaw wired shut. I'm out for six Dude weeks. I, I end up losing about 30 to 35 pounds. 
Okay. I go from about 160 to about 127 in the span of a month. Good. Um, so I'm, I mean, we ended up losing that game. The next year, we were favored to win state and were to get to the state championship. Mm-hmm. That's crazy because our school had gone from a nobody to all of a sudden we're projected to go. Yeah. We have the best player in the state, okay? okay? And we have his brother, who's one of the better players in the state as well. Yeah. Going into week one, all of a sudden, this dude who's been the captain of this <clears throat> team for four years, something happens. He gets sick, and all of a sudden, he's not going to play in our first game. Like, what the heck? All of a sudden, he disappears. He doesn't show up to our first game. And so we're just at our first game and he's not warming up with us. We're like, okay, I guess we'll just play. We come to find out that he left to California and he just moved on the spot. Damn. He just left and his brother tore his ACL on the very opening kickoff. So we lost our best two players instantly. And we were so deflated. We, we started out winning two games. We lost our last seven. Duh. And I had gone from a back that was averaging 150 yards, two touchdowns a game to start the year to like my last game, I had eight carries for eight yards against a bad team and it ended so badly. What kind of voodoo were y'all messing around with? Like, Don't know, man. It, it was cursed. It, that we were, is it, insane, bro. It was, it's heartbreaking. I, I'm still not over it in some <laughs> I ways. See, I can see you get like emotional about it. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it was heartbreaking. It was, and we still haven't talked to that guy since he left. He what? blocked us on everything, and he will not allow us to communicate with him. Still? I'm not, I'm not going to say his name just because it's a big did deal. He, but Did he go on to, to continue to play? He dominated. He went to Southern California, became like the talk of Southern California, dominated. What um, the hell did y'all do to this man? he went to Vanderbilt. Your coach, um, your coach did something, bro. Something our coach was happened. Our coach uh, was the biggest hard ass I've ever met in my uh, entire life. Here we go. So it's part of the reason why I was so self-critical. It'd be like, I'd drop mm. a pass and be like, Garsted, God damn it. What <laughs> the hell? Or, you know, or I would bounce it outside and get tackled and it'd be like, North and South. But it would be like in your face, like, what the, you know, that yeah. kind of energy. So yeah. anyway, senior year ends and I'm pissed. I'm, I'm so mad that I'm like, I'm looking in the mirror with that, like, like, what, what the hell do I do now? This is, this is my plan. Yeah. This is my whole world was football. I had one saving grace and that was my track career. Something yeah. that had been up and down my whole life, but my junior year, it all changed because something I hadn't really, I never had really thought about it, but sophomore year I had success on relays. I never had success individually. I don't know if you did track. Do you ever do track? Yeah, absolutely. So I was, I was like a okay speed kind of guy. I was like, Sophomore, obviously I was fast, but I wasn't as fast as like, I couldn't even qualify for for state. Yeah. Yeah. So my junior year, I'm just like football player doing track. Right. Right. But the lingering issues from my broken jaw, I had stress fractures in my back and I had a hard time training. So I missed most of the track season. Are you saying that the lingering issues in your jaw contributed to stress fractures in your back or these are two completely separate The same hit. So oh. that hit, I got concussed, broke my jaw, and I had stress fractures in my back. Bro, who the hell is this dude that hit sticks you like this? It was some dude from the team we played, man. It was just, I don't know. It was just like the a crazy freak incident. Jamal Adams? Like, oh my <laughs> God. Um, but my junior year of track, so 
you know, there's only one meet left in the season. I haven't ran yet. Okay. And it's the qualifying meet to go to districts. In Idaho, there is multiple different districts. You have to qualify with a certain time. You qualify with that time, you get into districts. Then if you get top eight at districts, you go to state. Yeah. The time to get in the 100 meter was 11.55. Okay. Mm, okay. It's not that fast. That's like a low end starter in football. Yeah. For your high school football team. I haven't, I've, I haven't ran 100 all year. And my fastest time the year before was 12 seconds flat. Okay. So don't, it's just like, okay, let's see what happens. I run that race. I run 11.55. Okay. So I run the exact time to qualify. If I ran 11.56, my life's completely different today. I ran the exact time to qualify and I sneak into districts. Following week, I improve. I run 11.33. I sneak into the district final. Seventh <laughs> out of eight. Yeah. And qualify for state. I'm like 24th going into state. I end up dropping another third of a second running 11.03 and I qualify for the state final. Nice. Then the following day, I drop a 10.9 and I get third in the state final. <sighs> Crazy. Shocking story of the year. It's like all my coaches are are hyped, yelling, freaking out. Everyone's, it's like the biggest underdog story of the year for the track. Like no one, who's this Karsten guy? Like where did this guy come from? He yeah. didn't run at meets all year and he got third. Yeah. But the thing was, I was pissed because I thought I was going to win. <laughs> I thought I was going to win. Shoot for so, the moon, land on the stars. Flash forward to how my football season went and yeah. it ended. I was so mad that night. I remember just, what do I do? I brought it, I focused it all in and I channeled all my anger towards, uh, towards track. I went into my bathroom and I wrote in my mirror. I wrote, first thing I wrote down in capital, beat Bryson. Bryson was the kid who beat me in the hundred last year. He was the talk of football in the state. Like he was like the guy on all the magazines. Yeah. And he was the big deal. He hadn't lost a race in two years. So beat Bryson. Number one, number two, <clears throat> set school records in the hundred meter and 200 meter. Yeah. Next thing, win state in the uh -huh. hundred. Next thing, get a scholarship. I wrote that down and I looked at that every single day. That vision and I'm over, baby. not kidding you, man. I busted my ass every day after that as hard as I could. As hard as I could. You talking about track season starts in March? I was running in the snow on the track in December. Hard Damn. workouts. Making yeah. myself puke. Yeah. I was so mad about how football went. I was just like, I'm going to go prove everyone wrong. Somehow, some way, and track's going to be the way I do it. Right. I do a club team in the, in the winter and I dominate. Get on college's radar. I come out starting the season. I'm number one in the state. I meet up with that Bryson kid week three. And again, he hasn't lost a race in two years. I beat him in the 200. Mm. My parents are sitting next to his mom and his mom's crying because he hasn't lost a race in two years. And some, some kid from my high school, some nobody just beat him. I run the tables all year and I go to state. I end up setting my school record in the 100, 200 and I, in the 200 and I end up winning state in the hundred meter. Crazy. My high school is like 60, 70 years old, fastest kid ever from my high school. That's I get crazy. a scholarship to Sacramento State. And the thing is, I want to make this clear about D Division One because people have made comments in the past of like, oh, D1, Sac State, that's not really D1. Track's different, man. It's about times and it's about schools that focus on certain things. Sacramento State is a track school. They have a facility that has hosted Olympic trials and uh, NCAA like championship meets. Yeah, top and they were building a state-of-the-art, brand-new, world-class facility that I got to see firsthand. So yeah. I was all in for that. So the story's getting a little wet. I, I realize I've taken a lot of time, but I end up going to college. 
And here was where I messed up. Mm-mm. I got content with where I had gotten. No more writing on the mirror. I, everything changed. I had arrived in my head. I had arrived. I, I worked my ass off still. Like I, I, yeah. I, it's not that I didn't work hard, Okay. but I didn't put the extra work in needed to continue to progress. Mm-hmm. So my freshman year, I had success. I went to big sky indoor championships and I was a medalist. I got second in the 60. It was a big deal as a true freshman. But after that, it was injury after injury after injury, three years full of injuries. Talk to me about these injuries. So when you train track in college, any sport, yeah. it is year round. Right. It is no longer seasonal. So you're talking about, I started training in like December the year before. You start in September for track and the season goes all the way till June. Yeah. So you were training hard from September to June. And if you don't build a base for your body, it will break down. That's what I was going to say. It, it seems like if you went to a track school and you're training year round, to me, it seems like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to be sprinting every day. It seems like a lot of the work you should have been doing should have been injury preventative or building up your base so that you don't have these injuries. I mean, trust me, trust me, man. I have blamed, I spent too long blaming the school for that kind of stuff because I think there was some issues with how I we think got it's were trained. Fault, bro. I'm sorry. I really do. Here's the thing, though. There was guys on my team who were doing everything right, mm-hmm. former walk-ons, who were end, ended up conference champions and going on to bigger and better meets. So it was possible. So, so it's possible. Yeah. It wasn't made easy for us. It was hard. And, and it turns out that I just, I didn't put all the necessary, I didn't focus on my diet. I wasn't taking care of my body, rehabbing it properly when I was hurt. Yeah. I would just show up, do the workouts, it would kick my ass, and I would get hurt. So end of the story is that college wasn't what I thought it was. I thought it was going to come in and these coaches were going to do everything for me. They were going to get me on a nutrition plan. Yeah. They were going to get me, they're going to be so micro like focused on my career and managing it. I thought that was how it was going to be, but that's only how it is at the biggest schools. Right. Sac State is still D1, but it was, they, they're not going to baby you into success. It's still on you. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's, it's a good story because I learned lessons from it. And my final year of track, I found YouTube. And that mm. was another one of my passions growing up. Yeah. So I was able to transition from football, have success with track, and then transition from track into YouTube, something I love. And, you know, it, yeah. it's working out. I'm making a successful living from it. So yeah. hard feelings, yeah, there's always going to be things I wish I did differently. But it's lessons learned that I can change from. Yeah. Anyways, that was a long story. <laughs> I understand. And I hope people bared with it the whole time. Yeah. I just had to tell it with as much emotion as I could. Yeah. Anyways. Damn good job, bro. Um, Thank you. You know, my biggest you- takeaway from that story is um, the power of like visualization and like, yes. having a goal and like writing it on the, like I wrote like my YouTube goals on a mirror when I had no subscribers you know when I was yeah. starting up and dude like seeing that every morning like when you when you describe like how you attack that every single day it really does something it kind of rewires your brain and it all is always working back there to kind of figure out a way to accomplish those goals so you did that but when you got to college and you crossed out all the stuff on your list yeah. you didn't create a new list and yeah. that I think is um is kind of where you messed up, you know what I'm saying? You didn't come up with new goals to chase yes. aggressively. 
You know, this is the last thing I want to say, and this relates to videos that I do all the time. I'm actually mm-hmm. working on one right now for this, but my top 10 recruits from whatever year, where are they now? Yeah. I think the videos showcase a perfect example of kind of what I went through on a much smaller scale. I can't compare myself to top 10 recruits, yeah. but those guys were obviously crazy motivated and dominated in high school off of natural talent and probably the confidence of being the best. Yeah. But then they get to college and everything changes. You have to set new goals. You have to find a new way to succeed. And a lot of those guys failed because, because it, was, it was a lot of pressure and they just couldn't deal with it. So I, th- I think it's very interesting to look back on those kind of stories. It is. And yeah, you can go ahead and say I, I just I just wanted to say, like, I think that's the key. That's the key. That's something I'm figuring out is that is not, and you hear this, like you've heard this quote before, everybody watching this, but until you really like internalize this and truly believe this, like in your in your fiber, you know what I'm saying? Yes. It is really not about the destination. It's a hundred percent about the journey. You never get there. Like that's the thing. Cause and if it's only about the destination, it's like you you don't finish. Yeah. It's not over. Like, okay, this might be my temporary destination, but I gotta understand when I get there, when I beat Bryson. Yes. When I beat Bryson, that's not like the end goal. It's like once I get there, I can't live here forever. I can't yeah. set up camp or nothing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Maybe have a drink, celebrate, boom. And now I got to be drawing a new map to figure yes. out, okay, what's the next spot I'm going to go to? If you don't do that, you will fall off. You will have issues, you know what I'm saying? Or you will get stuck yes. in life. And that's, I think that's the issue. So that's why like a lot of times you'll see guys who have been super successful and then they'll try new stuff and they'll fail. And all you see on the internet, oh, he took this L, he did it. Yeah. Bro, you got to keep trying stuff. Like, well, I love when people... Like put themselves out there and try new stuff. Everything ain't gonna work, but you can't just stay put forever. Like it ain't gonna yeah. work. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. dope story, bro. Dope, dope story. Yeah, man. Mine as usual is extremely different. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> because like for me, bro, I am a guy. I'm I'm pretty naturally talented. Let me say that yeah. first. My biggest issue though is um, my attention span is all over the place, and I'm like part jock part creative and those two um dualities i guess they fight each other all the time as we football especially growing up was never a place for expression or creativity it was a place to kind of hurt a bunch you have to kind of think the exact same way as everyone it's not like a whole lot of individuality um and i had a problem with that like that was like my biggest issue so um i started out Super quiet kid. I didn't really want to play nothing. Like I ended up, I started playing sports, bro. Um, I went to um, like recreation basketball thing with my brother, my little brother. He wanted to play. I was in the stands, just chilling. I'm just there with my mom. And uh, one of the coaches was like, you know what I mean? He's like, hey, yeah. you you playing? And I was like, it cost like, I forgot, like $100 or something. I didn't want to put my mom in that situation because we didn't have money like that. So I'm like, nah, I'm... I'm good, you know what I'm saying? And then she like, if you want to play, go ahead down there. All right, I end up playing. From there, I go from like this super quiet, straight A student to like this super quiet, straight A sports playing student, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So I jump into basketball. Um, Immediately, I'm good. One of the better players on the team. How old were you? This, I was probably about maybe like, 
damn, it's hard to remember my age. So, well, how old are you in sixth grade? Twelve. Fifth, sixth grade. About that. About 12. And um, yeah. so I started playing basketball, started hooping. Um, about seventh grade, I decided to go out for the football team. My... Um, my coach wants to put me a running back because my dad played running back. But I was a skinny kid, skinny and tall. Um, so I ended up at receiver. And they used to call me, uh, my nickname in seventh grade, my first year playing football was Nohan. Because I had no hands, bro. Like, I was, <laughs> like, and it wasn't that I couldn't catch. It was mental. I didn't know. But like I would get so scared. I was fast, so I'd take off the line and burn everybody. When a ball comes, I'm terrified. Oh, my God, if I drop it, da, da, da. I'm thinking, drop the ball. Yeah. Um, and this, where I went from 7th to 8th grade, changed my entire life. That summer, I went. I worked every day on my hands. I worked on catching, one hand, left hand, different, you know, under, over, out from the body, close, hitting stuff in the background. I did all of that with my brother, my uncle, friends, whoever I get to throw me the ball, I worked on it every day. Um, I turned everything into like a catching game. Are we jumping on the trampoline? Okay, well, when you jump up, you got to catch the ball and then fall inbound. The next year, I went from the worst hands of all time to catching everything. I have like this monster season, and now the high school is excited about me in football. I'm playing football, basketball, I'm running track, but um, I'm probably the best at that point in football. I get over to high school. I'm playing junior varsity. Um, I go out for like the first two or three days of practice, and then I say, you know what? This ain't for me. Quit. I'm, I have no intentions of ever playing football again. I'm done. Wow. A dude in my class was talking noise. He was like, uh, yeah, man, you can't catch anyway, X, Y, Z. You know, I'm starting at tight end in junior varsity this week, and uh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I went out there that week. Junior varsity, I think, played on Thursday. I went out there like Tuesday, took his spot, started in the game on Thursday, went off. You know what I'm saying? Coach moves me to varsity. I'm playing corner because there's no room for me at receivers. Too many receivers. But I'm an athlete, so they just want me on the field. And, you know, I play okay. I make a few tackles. I didn't make any picks. I break up a few passes. You know what I'm saying? The second basketball season rolls around, coach is looking for me. Where's Fleming? I'm at basketball practice, bro, because I walk through the gym and just the smell, bro, like the court, the hardwood, like the leather ball and the sound. You know, an empty gym when the ball yeah. is bouncing. I can't, it did the allure. It gets me. I go to basketball. The following year, I go back out for football. Same situation. Basketball season rolls around, I'm gone. I did that every year of high school except my senior season. My senior season is the only year I played throughout the entire year, okay? Now, I only played in six games because I had back spasms. I had turf toe. I had every stupid injury that you just can't get rid of. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But um, in six games, I had like 680 yards receiving, six touchdowns. You know, I averaged 100 yards in a touchdown per game um, on a running team that was pretty bad. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> we sucked. Yeah. But it was enough for um, me to get some pretty good tape. And so I sent my tape to only the SWAC schools. These are D1, AA, HBCUs, historically black colleges, uh, Jackson State that Deion Sanders is going to be coaching now that came out this morning, all core yeah. and Southern. Get scholarship offers to all of them. 
And, um, you know, so I decided I'm going to go that route. In order to get my body ready for it, I'm, I run track. And I'm pretty damn fast, especially I wasn't the greatest in the 100, but I was real good in the two long legs, good in the 200. I was good in the 400. You know, I did the relays. And I did triple jump and high jump. Do you know what your uh, times were? I, I don't. Just bro. curious. I, I wish I, I really don't remember. And I don't want to, like, make up something. Yeah. Also, <laughs> how big were you your senior year in high school? My senior year in high school, dude. I was 6'2", probably about 185. Yeah. I was, a, I was pretty big. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was a good size for, for football, which was ultimately why I chose it over basketball. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But um, I go out, and I'm, I'm running track, and what happens is I feel like a knot in my leg from practice. You know, it's just kind of overuse. And I tell yeah. my coaches about it, like, yeah, man, I'm not really I'm not, you know, my leg is tight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what's up with it. And uh, they tell me, massage it, ice it, stretch it, basic stuff. Come to meet that weekend, I get the baton, and I boom, I turn it on for the first time really this whole week because my leg is messed up. Bam, tear my hamstring. That injury, I, I honestly believe, that injury right there changed my entire athletic career. Because this is a few months before I go to college. You know what I'm saying? I already got my scholarship to play football, and I got out of shape for the first time in my life because I'm not running. I don't really know what to do. I go to a small yeah. school. I'm not getting a whole lot of help with this hamstring. All I'm getting is stretch it, ice it, rest it. I'm a detailed person. This is before YouTube, so I can't look it up. I need to know exactly what to do. I need to know how long to ice it. I need to know, do I need to be strengthening it? Nobody told me that, by the way. Like, <laughs> So I, I think I handled it completely wrong. And um, what happened is when I went to college, it was still bothering me. And I, um, I basically overused my other leg. Pulled that hamstring my freshman year. So now I got two bad hamstrings. And I struggled with that like throughout my college career. Not only did I struggle with that, but like you got the creative stuff like constantly coming back in. So when I think back on my on my um, athletic career, I don't feel like bad about it because I never I don't think I'm the type of person who was ever meant to play sports at a high level. Even though I feel like I'm talented enough. Bro, after I discovered Janu Smith recently, though, this is like the first time I was like, you know what, I probably could have, I might have been able to do something. Because like that's that's literally my play style. And I'm a big dude. I'm fast. I'm not the most shifty, but I'm, yeah. I'm relatively shifty for a big guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In college, I was 225, you know, 6'2", still running like a 4'5". Like I was pretty damn fast for a big guy and um anyway I just didn't take it I really didn't take it very seriously like so every now and then I might be super into football but then my week three my interest would just shift to creative stuff now I want to do music so I'll go fully into that I'm not really going to practice as much as I should I'm not going to training I'm not doing none of the stuff that I really need to be doing yeah. I went to a smaller school, so of course, coaches not, they're not like, I'm not on a nutrition plan. I'm not on like a strengthening plan. Nobody, bro, with the hamstring problems I had, like if I knew what I know now, I would have been able to strengthen these joints up and been money. But I just thought yeah. this was a problem I was going to have for the rest of my life, and all I could do is stretch. And I'm a guy that's naturally tight, because like I'm a bigger dude. I got yeah. like big muscles on your legs, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm naturally tight. And so I just assumed. I was going to always have these problems and I was never going to be able to fix it. 
Nobody told me different. So I just kind of kept doing the same thing, man. And I really just wasted away, bro. Like my college career athletically was a waste. My college experience, though, was great. It was, it was amazing. Like I met all my best friends in college. I met my wife in college. And um, I honestly, I don't regret anything, man. I don't regret yeah. nothing. Um, I could have gotten more out of my athletic ability for sure. Yeah. But I don't think I would ever fit in really in a locker room because I'm not like a single minded person, bro. I just don't yeah. I just really don't fit well in those environments. I never even felt comfortable. Like I'd be in the locker room. I'm hearing these dumbass conversations. I'm like, bro, this is what we talk about. Can we talk about something that's like interesting? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I just never <clears throat> I never really viewed myself as a football player. Yeah. So my love for football is so weird because Unlike, kind of like I can see it in you, and every one of my friends is like this. When we talk about football, they get real emotional about their football journeys and how they end it. And I don't know if it's because I'm a person who just, I don't really reflect on anything negative. Like anything bad that happens, I just look at it like a lesson. I really do. And I say, oh, that was meant to happen. But my music career, when I got invited to Atlanta, when I, this is right before I dropped out of college. I got invited to Atlanta by a guy who, um, I forget his name, but he was connected with this label. He wanted me to come and just kind of crash at, this, at his house and record. You know, work, be on this, in the scene in Atlanta. This is right before Atlanta popped off. It's the capital yeah. of hip-hop music at this point. This was in 2009, 2010. This was like right at that moment. I could have gone, and that could have changed my entire life. I didn't go. What I opted to do was... Um, I got a job. I got an apartment to take care of my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, because I felt like, you know, there was responsibilities that I had. And so I just made I made all of these decisions and any one of them could have sent my life in a different direction. But here I am today doing YouTube, something I never thought about back then. Yeah. And I just feel like everything that's ever happened in my life has steered me right here to this point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm super happy with where I'm at. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, I think it's so interesting because I, when I met you, you always reminded me more and what you say. You're like a basketball minded player in a football player's body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I can and and you're a big dude. But yeah. I think it's interesting when people talk about, you know, like wasting athletic potential. Like people go like, oh, such a waste of talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like the thing is with your mindset, it's not a waste because like you said, it wasn't meant for you. Yeah. So I actually think your lessons that you learned and the way the, the killer mindset that you have with taking things that you've been through and not victimizing yourself and just learning from it is like part of the reason why you're so good at what you do, you know? Yeah, thank you, bro. And I think everything that you've gone through is like the reason why you're able to be successful, the way you're able to be so empathetic and understanding and look at so many parts of a story, whereas more people like me get way too caught up and wrapped up in a, the emotional aspect of, of football or whatever. And I think I think you need both of those, but I, I yeah. really admire that mindset that you have. So Appreciate it, Doc. It's, it. it's a really interesting story, just the, the flip-flopping through high school and stuff all and not really knowing what's going to happen. over the place. I was yeah. always all over the place. Because, like, you have to imagine, and I don't want to sound arrogant with this, but you got to imagine this from the mind of, like, a 15, 16-year-old kid. 
I was good at every single thing I've ever done. And yeah. that's not me trying to brag. I'm just, that's real talk. I went out for basketball. I was the leading scorer on the team. I went out for football. It was super easy. I led the team and received, you know what I'm saying? I yeah. went out for track. I was really good. In school, I ate straight A's, really good. And it all came pretty easy. So I always had the mindset back then that no matter what I did, I would be fine. So I never like dwelled on one thing. Like I yeah. always felt like, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Whatever I end up, whatever route yeah. I go, I'm going to be Trust fine. Yourself. And I did. And uh, I made a lot of dumb decisions because of that. Yeah. But at the, in the end, it, it did end up leading me to uh to a place where I want to be. It probably caused some unnecessary pain and hardships yeah. that I've been through in my life, especially like in my 20s when I was super broke and struggling and yeah. didn't know, you know, where my next meal was coming from, but it it all ultimately it, it led me to where I think I'm supposed to be. Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like I think this is right where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. I I don't doubt it, man. I think you're in a perfect area where you're able to talk and be yourself. I feel yeah. like you come through very authentic. Yeah. And I, I really like that about you. So appreciate it. It's bro. cool, man. Appreciate it, man. You know, just the transition, cause I was thinking about it. You said Oh nine slash like 2010 is like that, the whole music thing. Yeah. So that's about 10 years ago, right? Yep. So that's the same time that I was doing research the other day. I found out the year that Terrell Owens joined the Bengals. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people know about Chad Ocho Cinco, Chad Johnson, and Terrell Owens, but they were the guys in the in the two thousands. They yeah, had the most sure. hype. People talked about them. They were bigger than life, bigger than football, and they joined forces on a playoff roster yeah. in Cincinnati. Yeah, talk to me about that. Okay, so uh, <laughs> that was a, that was an interesting time, bro, because the year before that. Uh, before T.O. came, we went like 10 and 6. We won the AFC North. So, as you can imagine, we add Terrell Owens and we're like, okay, this is through the this through the roof right here. Like, we, we're going to actually make a real run at this. Like, when the whole thing happened, bro, I was obviously extremely excited. T.O., one of my... My favorite receivers of all time, let me just throw these out. You know, not in no necessary particular order, but like my top three and probably a lot of people top three, especially that grew up in this era, Moss, T.O., Chad. They're my dudes, right? Watch everything they do. I always admire Moss and Chad's like, Chad footwork is so ridiculous. Like, it's so stupid. Like, I've never seen feet like his. Yeah. Maul's just a freak of nature, crazy speed, jumping ability, X, Y, Z. T.O. I could relate to as a player, though, because he was big, he was strong, he was fast. He's not the quickest, but he was quick. Yeah. You know, he didn't have the greatest hands, but he had hands. You know what I'm saying? So he wasn't the best to me at, like, really any individual thing. But he was so damn high level at almost everything that it just made for, you know, just just <clears> – <throat> I guess made him into like the Hall of Fame player that he ended up being, right? So the personality of these two, like when they got together, I was worried. I was worried immediately. Even as like when I was younger, I was like, okay, how is this going to work? Because at this point, T.O. has been through, you know, he had the San Francisco situation. He's had the Eagles situation, the Cowboys situation. Like he's had so many high profile situations that seem like much better situations than being like 
playing for the Bengals at that time that didn't go well. So I was worried. I was real worried. I was like, ah, they're going to, you know. But I didn't really know how close their friendship was. And um, really the thing I probably took I probably took from it the most, man, is just kind of looking at how their, their personalities were. The season didn't go well. We won like four games. We yeah. sucked, right? I missed most of them games because – this was like we were just talking about. This was right at the time I dropped out of college. I was broke. Yeah. <laughs> I was at work. I worked every Sunday. So I didn't even see most of the games. So I'm mm-hmm. watching. Uh, I'm like, you uh, used to be in church. You feel what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm watching the staff. Uh, that's what I'm watching. Like, you know what I'm saying? To, to kind of see what was going wrong. And uh, I went back and I watched like a few games, like the broke, the condensed version of the games recently. And like Carson was really bad, like in all of those clips. But um, I don't know, man. It was it should have been a real special time, but it ended up being kind of forgettable because we were so bad. You know what I'm saying? Like we were we were really bad that year, man. Four wins, and um, so it wasn't a whole lot of hype behind it to to me. Like it started out hyped, but then it really didn't live up to what we wanted it to. To almost got to a thousand yards. He was like nine fifty. Chad didn't get a thousand yards. Chad was starting to lose some of that top end speed. Bro, T.O. was like 36. You know, he yeah, was Yeah, they were old both in their better At that years. point. And, uh, yeah, so it just really – I don't know how people that's not Bengals fans view that situation, but honestly, for us, as exciting as it started out, it dwindled pretty fast, yeah. and it, it got kind of forgettable, to yeah. be completely honest. Well, it's, it's not even talked seasons. about really anymore. Well, yeah, that's because we didn't make any type of run. We didn't really make no, no noise, bro. No. We didn't really make no noise. No, and it's like markets like Cincinnati, even Cleveland, it's like when things go bad, it just gets swept under the rug, and it's like no longer a talking point after <laughs> yeah. week three. You yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, that's it's unfortunate because, like, looking back, I, I want to see more of those, like, hype roster things, situations, those hype moments that could potentially work out, yeah. actually work out. But it's just... It's something I want to talk about eventually, the whole like receivers making like like the loud receivers, how much of a difference they make in a locker room and on the field. Yeah. yeah. You know? But I think we should transition to before before we do, I, I was I wanna say real quick, because the football is forgettable. But I do wanna say that Chad and T.O. are two of the most interesting people to ever play football, bro. Definitely. These dudes are so damn interesting. Like the person Chad is is like the person that I want to be, like dead ass. Like Chad, bro, the man is extremely outgoing. He's and, and he's he's authentic. He's he's real. He's not like cheesy, but he's incredibly kind. Like this is a night. Like this dude, bro. If you follow him on Twitter, he's like he's leaving two thousand dollar tips at like random restaurants. And let me say, bro, I've been like super broke, and my wife worked as a um, as a waitress. When you get a big tip, it changes, bro, that changed your life for like a month. Like it really does. It's a huge deal. You know what I'm saying? And like for somebody like him to be doing that and then just kind of spread, just spread love and good vibes and positive energy. um, It's something that I just feel like kind of go overlooked. Dude was villainized a lot when he played, but people really didn't kind of, if you just really look at the person Chad is, everything he did was harmless fun. Like it wasn't, he wasn't like a person that was getting into any type of real trouble, didn't drink, didn't smoke, didn't do nothing, just showed up every day. He wanted to win, but he also liked to have fun. That's how he always played the game. T.O. 
socially, he just struggled mightily. You know what I'm saying? I think he grew up, he was kind of isolated by his grandma. And um, it, it created this, he really didn't know how to just get along with people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so there was a lot of things he do that he think, wow, this, is, this isn't really a big deal. And it's a huge deal to y'all. What you, well, you can't say that, bro. You said you'd rather have who over McNabb? You can't agree with Mike. You can't say, if Michael Irvin say, man, if they had Brett Favre, they'd be undefeated. You can't say, yeah, I can see that. You can't say that, bro. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? You got you to gotta pump your, go pump your quarterback up. He never understood that, and it caused him so many problems. But I honestly think that at the core of them, both of these dudes are incredibly good people. I think they good men, and they was great receivers, bro. The Their stint with the Bengals together didn't go great. But they remain two of my favorite players and two of my favorite people to play in the league. You know what I'm saying? A lot of them dudes, they need a show together, you know. Well put. Yeah. Well put. Yeah. All right, we can so, transition. My bad. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you would just want to start with uh, the sports therapy bowl? Yeah, let's it's jump in. It's been a few days. It's been a yeah, few it's days. It's been a few days. It's been a few days. Um, you, you want to open it up? You want me to? We lost, so I guess you yeah, get the I'll, pick. Okay, I'll, I'll open up. Okay, go ahead. You know, honestly, just looking at the game, I thought it was very fun to watch. Yeah, it was I fun. thought it was a very entertaining game, which doesn't always happen with the Browns and Bengals. True. So seeing the success of the Browns offense gave me hope. Um, and seeing how easily Joe Burrow dissected the Browns defense both impressed me with Burrow and has me worried <laughs> about the yeah. Browns defense. Yeah, <clears throat> But honestly, if you look at my optimism meter for the Browns right now, one out of 10, one being put the brown paper bags over our heads and 10 being we're going to the Super Bowl, I'm yeah. at like a five, maybe. I think that's a good number. Yeah, I was probably at a four a week ago and I'm not too high off that win because one, the Bengals aren't going to be as tough as some of the teams that we're going to play later on. Ravens, yeah. Steelers twice, yeah. whoever. And if the Browns can't prove consistently that they can do what they did on offense, that's like the biggest concern to me. The defense is dealing with injuries in a new system. It's going to take some time to improve that, and it's going to be a liability for a while. And I don't know if I trust the offense yet. There has never been an identity with the Browns. It's part of the reason why they have a losing culture. Clearly, they can run the ball, and clearly it's going to work. Yet, as soon as I tweet oh man, the Browns can't stop running the ball well. They throw it across the middle and it's picked off yep. when they didn't have to throw it. Yep. So it's just decision-making, sticking to your identity, knowing what we are. What are the Browns right now? They are a run-first-minded team yep. who is going to control the clock. They're going to they're gonna get to third and three. They're going to be able to do play action off of that and get plays downfield. Yep. But if they try to go more than that and be the high octane, throw it to Odell deep constantly and make big plays and trust Baker in the pocket, they are going to be so inconsistent. It's going to be another seven and nine. Just, you know, rip my heart out of my chest type <laughs> season. Yeah. And so that's my thoughts on that. It was a good game. I, I'm not surprised that they threw the ball 60 times on us because it's like, look at the, the secondary and the linebackers just throw on just throwing those guys all day. Yeah. Not trying to take away from Burrow, but man, it's just bad. Yeah. But anyways, let's. I want to. I want to talk about the Browns first because yeah. I don't know Go if ahead. you remember, but it, that game played out almost 
exactly as I said. Almost exactly as I said. The one thing that I said, I said, when y'all take these shots, y'all going to take your Hail Mary shots with Baker because I understand, like, just from an ego standpoint and an Odell need the ball standpoint. I said I thought that that wouldn't work. But I said, if it works, we lose automatically because I knew we couldn't stop the run. Yeah. Like, I knew we was going to struggle with the run <clears throat> mightily. And, uh, you know, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, y'all's offensive line versus my below average run defense was, <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was it was like watch. watching some kids try to tackle their, their dads. It was <laughs> bad. Like, and I was like, yo, this cannot possibly be easier. Like to run and get 15 yards per carry yeah. is like, you know, and once you do that, now Baker, who I said also, I was like, yo, Baker got to stop trying to play like Patrick Mahomes and play like Baker Mayfield, play like Oklahoma, throw the short, throw the crossing route, throw the boom. Yeah. And I really love how y'all got the, the play actions going. Y'all got the bootlegs working and you got Baker comfortable. If y'all play like that all year, bro, y'all going to be a, my bad, y'all going to be a damn good team. Yeah. The the thing is, the personalities, like the talent y'all have is perfect. The personalities, I don't know if they fit there. And you was kind of saying this. I don't know if Baker is cool with throwing 20 passes a week. I don't know if Odell is cool with getting five targets. You know what I'm yeah. saying? This week, what happened to be a touchdown so that, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, what happens if that play is not completed? And now Odell got three catches for 30 yards. Like, is he... How does that play out? That's the only concern I really have with y'all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, we had – I said that we'd struggle mightily if um, – I said if Reader and Geno didn't play because at the time I didn't realize Mike Daniels was also hurt. Reader ended up playing, but Geno and Mike Daniels didn't play. So we had yeah. one D-tackle playing. And even if they were playing, y'all was still going to go crazy on the run. Don't get it twisted. But it just made it even more exaggerated. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So – it was one of those situations where I was proud that my team stuck in there. We left a lot of opportunities on the field, but there was almost no way we was going to win that game with our inability to stop the most basic run plays. You know what I mean? If we can't yeah. stop a dive from going for a first down, then you can't win. No. <laughs> you can't no. win in the NFL like that. So that's the bad. Um, the good for the Bengals, you know, offensively, Despite a porous offensive line, especially that right side, they sucked. Um, Burrow, the dude, the dude is legit, man. The dude is is so damn legit. He sat there and really, he played like big boy quarterback. He didn't have a run game going. He didn't have no play action working. He had to like just sit there, read, dissect, and play like grown man, veteran quarterback with you know little help. Yeah. He also didn't have a true number one receiver in this game because A.J. Green, whether it be age or rust, we're not sure yet. And look, A.J. He's not on. All-time great receiver. Loved the dude. You know, he had a really bad game. He had a really bad game. And this award is amazing. But I how many passes hit A.J.'s hands that he didn't pull in? And as a Bengals fan, I know it, those are catches A.J. Green makes. So hopefully he'll get all of that kind of going and, you know, yeah. as we as we move forward. But I just thought the receivers really didn't help him. Like they didn't make – there were a few. There were a few, but they didn't make very many plays where it was like they kind of bell burrow out. 
Like yeah. every play they made was gift wrap for them. And I want to see them help our rookie quarterback out more, bro. You know, make that tough catch. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't drop that one-hander in the end zone. Yeah, yeah the dude grabbed your entire arm and the ref missed it. Catch the damn ball. You're A.J. Green. We yeah. need it. Tyler Boyd, TB, you don't drop passes. He dropped that touchdown when we were still in the game at that point. Um, it was like a little, I don't know, I can't remember if it was a speed out or a crossing route, but he was like right on the pylon. He drops it, it slips through his hands. And um, and then the other thing was uh, when we stopped y'all, when we stopped y'all on the one and then turned it back over on the one, it's like, all right, that's game. <laughs> it's like, bro, we got out of an impossible situation, and the offense is like, can you do it again, though? It's like, no, yeah. no, they can't. Do you see, like, yeah. do you see what we're up against? So, you know, all in all, bro, after watching that game, I understand my team has so much building. We got a lot of building to do. We need more dudes, bro. Just when it come to dudes, y'all was winning like almost every matchup. Like y'all yeah. dudes was better at yeah. damn near every spot except one of the key spots. I, I thought. Personally, I thought Burrow was more impressive than Baker. I thought Baker played great, yeah. but I just I thought what Burrow had to do was a lot more difficult, like on the like on the mm-hmm. scale. And I honestly yeah. I don't know if I've seen Baker be able to do what I saw Burrow do. You know I, what I'm saying? I can't disagree with that. I also think that the Browns do have a better roster, and yeah. they have to play a certain way to win. Yeah, but which is fine. That's not but, bad. But, yeah. It has that that part has me excited because if they know yeah. their identity yeah. and they stick to that run first minded identity with the play action, throwing the crossing route and not trying to do too much, not trying to be Patrick Mahomes, like you said. Yeah. There's potential there to be a decent and decent team and build a winning culture. For sure, for sure. And, and I, you know I do want to address something real quick. You said ahead. y'all was gonna beat us by like seventeen points. I said ten. Okay. And it okay. was going to be that until the Browns' Swiss cheese defense could not stop anything. And they ended up scoring a, a bogus touchdown. at the. It was like a garbage time touchdown. Not almost. really, though. Not really. Though. It was semi-garbage time. You can't really. I mean, you could say that, but it's like it was our position. It makes the like score they, look closer. Because you know y'all scored the time before that. So it's like we had to get the ball again. It's like y'all would have had more possessions than we had. But so if you, you know just what, in the game right there, yeah, but the game ain't over. Yeah. I'm you just saying, if saying? it's 35-30 throughout the whole fourth quarter and it's back and forth compared to 35-23 with um, two, three minutes left, and it's just like, yeah, you score, but it still doesn't feel like the game's as close as if it was how, how the final score comes out. I don't so know. I felt like it I'm was saying. pretty close all game it, until right at the end. When we turned the ball over on the one and gift wrapped the easiest touchdown in the history of the NFL – like, that's when y'all went up two scores right there. Like, and it's a terrible mistake that is, yeah. is almost hard to make. It's almost hard to stop somebody on the one and then fumble the ball well, again on the one and give well, them the that's ball what, back. That's what Miles Garrett provides. He is a coin flip every game, whether or not he's going to make yeah. that move and strip sack. That's yeah. his, that's his signature dudes. move. Y'all got dudes. Man. And, you know, if Miles Garrett can't do that consistently, that defense is going to get torched. Yeah, but when you got a dude like that, it it raises the entire defense. So, yeah, so Miles has to play out of his mind, and we have to keep running the ball. And my optimism will continue to go up. We want to establish a winning culture, so it's time to go get Washington. I'm still not sure what to make of my team, bro. I'm starting to question my coaches. Burrow's great. I'm not – 
See, I don't ever talk about the stuff that I think I don't have to worry about. Burrow's yeah, great. Yeah, that's true. Burrow's, he's, he's yeah. it. He's the dude. I'm worried about my coaching staff. I don't trust them at this point. You know, I gave them a lot of time. I'm not fully out. I'm not out, but I'm like, hell, man. I'm looking at them dudes real closely over the next three weeks because I felt like some decisions yeah. they made. They didn't, Auden Tate didn't even play. Like, why? Why was Auden Tate not active? He's like one of our yeah. best receivers, and you activated um, Erickson, who's a punt returner who never returns punts. It's like, why is yeah. he active, bro? It, it's certain stuff. We'll see where it goes, man. But I think the Browns look good. I think if y'all play with that game plan, like you said, every week, y'all going to always have a chance to win, and y'all going to win a lot of games. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Congrats on that. So, like, what are you what are you anticipating from the Browns this week coming up? Are y'all going to continue kind of what you saw against us? Or you know, what you think? To be honest, I haven't seen enough film – of the like, I haven't watched too much of this the stuff from the Washington's games, the first two games. But what I saw was mm-hmm. that they came back in both the games. The first one they ended up coming back against the Eagles and winning, and this last one they they, fit, they yeah. came up short. That has me a little yeah. nervous because the Bengals were knocking on the door for the in the Browns game, yeah. and it's like if one thing goes wrong, they decide to throw again on third down and it doesn't work, or whatever the case may be. It, it just has me a, a little worried that the Browns could let off the gas and things don't work as well. I still believe that the Browns ground game will help control the tempo of that game. And it'll be similar to the Bengals game, probably get up into the thirties to win that game. And if they do, then I'll be satisfied for now. I just, here's the biggest difference between us and Washington. Baker was pressured on three passes. He had all day to throw. Washington pass rush yeah. is serious. Chase Young is a dude, and they got some more. Like their pass rush is good, bro. So that's the one thing that stands out to me from Washington. Uh, yeah. You know, that Washington has that we point. like. We're terrible yeah. pass rush, and they're actually yeah. pretty damn good. So I yeah. want to look out. And for I, th- I think, I think the Browns win the game. I don't think it's easy. And as long as they make smart decisions in the fourth quarter, I think we're good. Who do the who do the Bengals yeah. play this week? We got the Eagles. We got the Eagles. They're 0 2. They got a lot of injuries. Um, I haven't gone full fledged into like yeah. studying everything, and I haven't seen any of their games yet this year. So, but here's what I do. Here's what I will say. We got the Eagles, and then we got the Jaguars. Now, neither of these teams have had a lot of success yet this year. Jags have actually looked pretty damn impressive, way better yeah. than I thought they were gonna be. So they're not a team to be slept on, and the Eagles have Carson Wentz, and they got a lot of talent. Not a team to be slept on, but not like upper-tier teams. Two teams we could beat, basically. Now the next two weeks are going to let me know, is this a draft pick season? <laughs> yeah. Or do we have an opportunity to to win some games and, and be a, a, a content – not like a Super Bowl contending team, yes. but you know what I mean. Be a respectful team, a respectable team, have a solid record – you know, it's going to really let me know, like, what the expectations should be for yeah. the rest of the season, bro. Like, did, did you watch any other games? Yeah, I, I I have NFL tickets, so I had all the games on. And obviously, the game that stands out most to me is the Falcons-Cowboys game. I had... I called that game in the first quarter. I, I had a stat pulled up, and it said up until Sunday, teams who had scored 39 points with no turnovers had won 440 
out of 440 games. Like they had not lost. When you put up, <laughs> wow. when you put up points like that and you don't turn the ball over, it's like almost impossible to lose. And obviously yeah. everyone's running the jokes about the Falcons, but what do yeah. you think it is that is like, why are they susceptible to this? You know what I'm saying? It's gotta be, it's gotta be coaching, bro. It's gotta be coaching. Like, I, what else can I possibly the, look at? Because like, they have yeah. talent. They don't have losers on their team. Like, they've been successful. They're not like a losing franchise. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't consider them a losing franchise. You know, yeah. as a Bengals fan, <laughs> like they've been to the Super Bowl recently. But um, it's something about that team, bro. I turned that game on, and the Cowboys was up 17 or 20 points, something in yeah. the first quarter, and everybody in the party was like, oh, blah blah blah. I said, bro, like. Don't forget, I said, bro, the Cowboys are going to come back. They're not coming back because it's the Cowboys. I said, but they're playing the Falcons. I'm like, bro, the Falcons, they will blow a lead, bro. Like, they'll blow one. And you saw it, man. Julio dropped a big pass that that actually changes that game, by the way. If he catches that, then they win. Yeah, I feel like with the the team that they've built, the pass-first attack, they can come back on anyone, but they can lose that lead to anyone because they don't have consistency with running the ball. Todd Gurley averaged yeah. like 2.9 yards per carry. He had the ball mm. 21 times, but he had like some embarrassing amount of yards for those that carries, right? Right. So when you can't yeah. run the clock out, it doesn't matter how much you're up by because it's like run, pass, pass, and you run off a minute or less. Yeah. So it's like you're susceptible to just like giving them so many chances. And obviously that onside kick was crazy. I who is their special I teams don't know, coach? But they're getting their their fire <laughs> that dude, bro. Like, whoa. They should have Like that, that was tough the way they, they played that yes, terribly. Awful. Everybody they was they was just hovering around. They backed yes. up. Like when he the ball came to do it, it like, ah, I don't want to touch that. I'm like, bro. To where I'm sure like trying to give the guys the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure they thought, they shouldn't have, but I'm sure they shot, thought that it was just going to sit at like three yards away so it would have been over. But the ball turned and went upfield. And by that time, you have to get on the ball. And the dude and is just, just walking <laughs> next to it. Like when this crosses 10, oh, like, oh, we're going to get the ball back. The Cowboys got and, uh, perfect. He got on the ball right as it crossed. And, yep. and Dak went from almost out negotiating yeah. himself Cause like for a lot of that game, I was like, "Yo, Dak, if you lose this game, bro, you're gonna really regret not taking that 35 yes. million a year that they offered you." Bro. <laughs> but uh, you know, they end up winning. Man, so if, boom. if there's any Falcons fans watching this, I just want to hear your like your thoughts on why does this happen? Like, do we not know? Are yeah. we are we just like out from the outside looking in? What is going going on on from the inside? The fans of the team, they they always know, like, way better than just people who turn it on every now and then to see you blow a lead. You know what's going on, bro. What is it? Please tell us. I'm super curious. I got to know. You know what I'm saying? So, boom. Um, I also enjoyed, bro, the the Seahawks-Patriots game. It was way closer than I thought. I thought the Seahawks was going to run off from the Patriots because they got so much firepower and so many dogs on that defense. And I was like, yo, Cam don't really got much. Yeah. Don't really got a whole bunch. But Edelman was was actually really big, bro. He was killing Jamal Adams in the yeah. past game. And, and uh my issue was I hated that call at the end. When I can't remember which play this was. It was one of the touchdowns. When they faked um the quarterback draw and oh, threw that it, was a nice I called play. that I, I was I say, bro, I screamed it. I say, Oh, the tight end's gonna leak out. Like I saw it, but it was the running back. But like 
you knew it because the Seahawks pinned their ears back yeah. and they did it again. And I'm like, Belichick or McDaniels, yeah. whoever's calling this, I'm like, bro, give him a chance to throw the ball. Like, why not do like a bootleg yeah. or something where he's rolling out, where he couldn't run it or he could pass it? Like, I hated that <laughs> play call. Like, I hated well, you it, bro. Over. I, I really like, did. Bro. Laughing. And I was cheering for the Patriots to win that game because it was just like, just got absolutely destroyed. But you know what I loved about that game, man, was it, seeing those two teams play is the byproduct of two winning sports cultures. That is the pinnacle yeah. of NFL football right there. That game, the back yeah. and forth, big plays, just the chess match, and I just love watching it. And one yeah. of the sad benefits of watching the Browns play so often is when you watch a good team, you can't help but appreciate all the things they do right. Like Collinsworth yep. was saying, like, oh, the Seahawks create their own energy. And, you know, I heard Odell Beckham talking in an interview saying, like, oh, you know, without the fans, it was whack. And it's like, yes, it's whack. But you got to be able to overcome that and find a way to create your own energy. And I think that's what Pete Carroll does almost better than anybody is he's able to, like, yeah. get the guys to rally. So I love that about the yeah. Seahawks. but. The, the Patriots are so much more surgical. Everything's so precise, even with Cam. Like, the way he's throwing the ball, it looks really... Nobody's... Well, that's a lie. People are surprised they shouldn't be. Like, I'm not surprised at all. This, I knew it would look like that. Like, I, this is exactly what I expected it to look like. I'm like, people are really sleeping on Cam. And they're talking about, he yeah, have no receivers. I'm like, he's never yeah. had any receivers. He had Steve Smith yeah. for, like, a year. Like, he went to the Super Bowl <laughs> with Devin Funches. Yeah. Like, who's solid receiver, man, he's a good player, he's an NFL player, but, like, come on, bro. Like, Cam ain't – people act like Cam been over there with Julio yeah. and Ridley. And like, he never dude, had weapons Last like thing that. I want to say about that game is DK Metcalf, you can't argue, and said, dude, that guy <sighs> – Oh, my God. He bullied <laughs> – yo, he embarrassed the defensive player of the year. I was looking at it like, bro, he's really – I was like, they're picking yes. on him yes. at this point. I'm forgetting Gilmore. this. What's my man's name? Gilmore. Gilmore, they're picking on Gilmore, bro. I was like, which I've never seen. Like Gilmore, he, he's he's yeah. Gilmore, right? But like they was treating him like he was like the yes. rookie that had to get in because somebody got hurt. And I was just saying what Metcalf was doing to him. And I was like, I was like, yo, I've never seen. Who's gonna like be able that, to cover bro. that guy? Like, he was in his. Who's head. gonna be able to cover him one on one if if Gilmore can? You know. See, he may have a weakness. Um, we haven't maybe we haven't found the right corner, right? You know what I'm saying? Maybe, or maybe he's just unguardable. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause we've seen this before, where it's like a player looks For unstoppable second, yeah. until you find a blueprint. But uh, I, I don't, I don't anticipate nobody finding it no time soon. But the dude is yeah. unbelievable, and Russell Wilson is like he's playing like the best quarterback yeah. in the league and he's so fun to watch bro he's been slept on yes. for a long oh, yeah. time a long time bro and he finally kind of getting his due and he's going for that Man, mvp I, you know what i'm saying when do the ravens and seahawks play at some point because that's the game i'll want to watch i don't know the ravens play the chiefs on monday that'll night be a good one week, obviously that'll be a great yeah game. that's gonna be yeah i don't know if they play the uh the seahawks though well you know, what, with whatever happens, I will be watching the Seahawks because I love watching them on offense and defense. They're just so fun to watch. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Nah, don't play the Seahawks. Dang. Super Bowl matchup. Nope. That would be the sweetest <laughs> Super Bowl matchup. Yeah, I man. can see it. 
Ooh, oh, it man. would be. That's exciting. I ain't gonna lie. That's really exciting. Cool, man. Okay, I want to talk about this while I'm thinking about it. So, what happened this week in the NFL? Well, the overshadowing of everything is the injuries. It is off the charts. It was like a guy going down here, a guy going down there, multiple guys going down on like a series of plays. It was like, what is going on? And so I want to get your thoughts on that, but I'm going to open up by just saying, I think this is a product of not having a preseason and not having enough time to fully get into game ready shape. I just, what it seems like is there's, there's freak injuries but when you don't train it hard enough in the offseason, I'm not saying these guys half-assed it, but it's like when you don't have enough of this game-like feel for long enough before you go all out, things can get sloppy and things can get like a little bit off. And so it's like an ACL here. It's an ankle there. It's just like when things get a little bit off, everything can start to break down. And so that could be a big reason why there's a lot of these injuries. It could be. My question is this. The NFL is the only level of football that has preseason. Why do we not see this same type of injuries in college when they don't have a preseason? Um, well, how long does college practice before games? I'm not sure. Because I know that the NFL doesn't get to do a lot of full speed stuff, especially this year. Yeah. So I know the games are longer, and I know they're probably more physical and intense just based on the level of talent. So I don't know. Mm, that, maybe. that could be part of it. Because imagine if you're on the D-line, you're, you're going against a guy who's way stronger and way more physical than any guy you went against in college, and that's every play. Yeah. I, I could imagine that that makes a difference. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's guaranteed. It yeah. just, that it's there. The, the chance of you getting into a more physical battle with a, a guy who's just as good like as you. Because college, like I said, they go harder. You know, I've heard tons of people say that over the years. They only watch college because they feel like the college players play way harder than the NFL players. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know if you have ever felt like that, but I've seen tons of people say that. Well, isn't there, there's way more dudes on a college roster as well. And when guys get yeah. hurt in college, unless they are the star, then it just kind of gets forgotten about. Not that it's forgotten about by the fans, but it's kind of like, oh, guy goes down, he's carted off, you don't even think about it again. But when it's Christian McCaffrey or it's Nick Bosa, it's like, well, that's yeah. a big deal because there's fantasy, uh, you know, decisions <clears throat> being made on a on a weekly basis. So people see it more often. So yeah, could it be a product of that? You think? Possibly, possibly, because every year it seems like I just I'm not I don't want to write off the the pandemic because I I think it's definitely has played a role. Like I don't even think you can argue that it hasn't. I just feel like maybe it's a bit of an overreaction because I had this conversation last year when there was no pandemic about, yeah. yo, why are so many people tearing their ACLs all of a sudden? Like back in the day, it seemed like when ACL used to be such a catastrophic injury, it was rare. Now that the technology is much better and you can bounce back from an ACL within like six to eight months, yeah. it seemed like they happen all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like so often. It's yeah. weird. Like. And my whole thing was always players bigger, stronger, faster, joints the exact same. I'm trying to think like in a devil's advocate kind of way because I don't like to just blame stuff on like one thing, like, oh, this one thing. But, um, yeah, I, I can see that it, it probably played a, a pretty huge role, man. It was brutal, man. Yesterday was brutal. Everybody was going down. 
Um, honestly, out of our game, CJ Uzama, our tight end, tore his, um, yeah, his Achilles. The, saw, right when his leg shot, you saw like the movement. I was like, oh, it's, it's Achilles. Yeah. Oh, but all in all, our game was pretty light on injuries, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it was. Especially considering what, we had a short week. Yeah. Well, both teams did. Random tangent off of it, but this is kind of why I admire the, the Frank Gores of the world and the Adrian Petersons as far yeah. as their football mindset. Yeah. Just because it's like the, the injuries that they have sustained, especially Adrian Peterson, and to keep coming back from them, like harder and stronger. And it's like, you know that they lose athleticism, a little bit of that ability every time, yet they find a way to make a difference and continue on. And that resilience and that yeah. perseverance is just yeah. very admirable. It, it is. It's not that easy. I, from personal experience, it just took three years of injuries for me to say, all right, you know what? I'm going to do something else. Three, yeah. three years. Yeah. And that didn't involve crazy rehab, like an ACL injury. That didn't involve being in a boot for months at a time. So for all the, for all the dudes who come back stronger, I think we need to give a lot of credit to the guys who come back from ACLs, from Achilles, from any sort of serious injury, because not only is it brutally hard mentally on you, but to come back stronger, that's incredible. It really uh, is. Yeah, I agree. 100%, bro. 100%. I think the average person doesn't, they never really take the time to try to put themselves in the place of an athlete. We yeah. live in this country where it's so damn weird. People really think, like if you ask people what's the most important thing, they'll never say money. But their actions tell me that they think money is the most important yeah. thing ever because they'll say, oh, well, watch this athlete. He's a millionaire. He shouldn't complain yeah. about anything. Like, that's so stupid. <laughs> like, it's so yeah. dumb to think that because I have money, all of a sudden my other problems don't exist. Like, these dudes got money from football because they've put so much into it. Yes, sure, you got to have some athletic talent in the first place, but there's tons of people with athletic talent. In yeah. order to get to the level of these cats, you're putting in hours, bro. You're sacrificing a whole lot, and there are no guarantees. Especially until you get to the NFL and sign yeah. that contract, ain't no guarantee. So all that work that you started putting in way back when you was a kid can technically be wasted, right? It's not like going to college, you know, four years, I pass these classes, boom, I'm going to get a degree. Nah, bro, you could do everything right and still not make it to the league. So you you really gotta you really have to admire like what these cats are able to put in and take this big huge gamble for a game that they love. And then once that's taken away from them, it leaves their life. It is their identity. Yeah. So it leaves their life feeling a bit empty. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That's why it's so hard for football players, not all, but a lot of football players to transition after retirement. Like, this yep. has been their life forever, for like the last 30 years. And now it's gone. And people are like, well, you're rich, so you should be great. Like, no, bro. <laughs> like, I don't know who I am at this point. Yep. Like, without, bro, Adrian Peterson, when he's no longer a running back, do you understand how long he's been a dominant run? Like, yes. he's a running back. When you ask Adrian Peterson who he is, like, that's probably the, the top line of his, I'm a running, like, he a running yeah. back through and through and through. So once that's no longer there, it's going to be tough, bro. And every time you get an injury, that possibility has to creep into your mind, especially yeah. as you get up there in the years. You know what I'm saying? How many times can you come back? You know? Yeah. Um, 
I just thought about this, but this is sports therapy. And I know people watching, a lot of these people have dealt with injuries that have been brutally devastating on their lives and their athletic careers for sure. So yeah. if you want to comment down below, like a serious injury that that affected your life in some sort of way, we can have some sort of communication down below in the comments yeah, and talk sure. about this stuff. And all of us can sort of bond together over the injuries we had. Cause it's like, I know you've talked about having injuries. I had multiple devastating injuries, like getting my jaw wired shut yeah. that ruined my life for a long time. Like it yeah. was, I still have issues with that. Yeah. And so well, it's just, I, I would love to have that kind of conversation down below. So just Agreed. saying that. Agreed, man. And like, <clears throat> I'll say this real quick before we move on. Like that stuff, it, it almost surprised me. Like this past year, I completely tore my hamstring again, right? So I couldn't walk for like Dang. three weeks. Yeah, that's And uh, it the way it affected me mentally kind of caught me off guard because what I was just saying with AP, like I do identify myself as an athletic person. Yeah. And when it's gone and I'm trying to rebuild my leg and I'm at the gym squatting the damn bar struggling yeah. and the dude next to me, this big ass dude can't even you know what i mean like they don't know because i have no balance yeah. in my like because this leg is super way weaker i build yeah. it up now but like bro that process for something that simple for a dude that's not even like that's not even my livelihood is so damn tedious and extreme to keep your mind in the right place as you go through months and months and months of trying to get just back to where you were like yeah. losing progress in anything is so damn painful. Like if progress is the key to, to happiness, and I think it is, like going backwards, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's like the key to sadness. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So you gotta you gotta really like find this this place in your mind. You gotta have a lot of strength, a lot of resilience yeah. to be able to get through that and get back to where you were and then hopefully a level yeah. a level beyond that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And last thing I wanna say on injuries, man, you you have to be able to leave your ego at the door and know what you need to do to get yourself better. Yeah. Because I can tell you how many times that I rushed back into thinking I was better than I was and just going right back to ground zero and it bringing me that much lower into that pit of misery and woe me and I'm yeah. never going to get better Yeah. and losing that mental edge that I need to get better. Yeah. So learning how to deal with that, knowing that, hey, if you're going to go to the gym and do exercises that make you look like a doofus in your mind, you got to get over that or else you're going to continue to try to do what you can't do at the time and keep setting yourself back. So that's yeah. it's one of the things I've had to learn the hard way, for sure. Set, set yourself up for, for success, man. You got so many, you got a supplement, you got joint support, you got, you know, it's different things that you can do to try to, to prime your body, especially yeah. as you get older, so that you can at least do the basic things that uh, that make you happy, bro. You can go to the court without having to worry about injuring yourself, you know yeah. what I'm saying? You can go to the gym and perform like some of the same, and like that stuff, I think it go a long way with like mental health too. Just ex-athletes being able to be athletic, even if it's on like a small level, like you just at the yeah. wide hooping, man, that go a long way to your for your mental health yeah. for an ex-athlete. You need you want to keep that as long as you can. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You know, I hear way too many guys think that they're done, like d dudes thirties, forties, thinking like, oh man, you know, my childhood's past me. I'm focusing on other things, and they don't yeah. actually take care of their body, and they just give up. 
Yeah. And that's just a heartbreaking mindset because being physically active is such an important part of your well-being, and especially coming from an athletic background like us. Like if, if you're slacking way too much right now in your life and you know that you can be out there and going to play basketball or going to play tennis or whatever the hell you like to do. It's like you can get there at any time. You could be 40 and not worked out in 15 years and you can get back there. The I think the issue is people want to go right back to where they yes. were in their prime. You First thing you got to do, you got to educate yourself. Most of the stuff we grew up on with injury prevention and strength training is outdated. Most of it's stupid. Yes. Most of it's incorrect. YouTube is your best friend. There are so many podcasts of dudes who study specifically athletic training. You know what I'm saying? Like they'll study specifically injury prevention, specifically how to build explosiveness or how to build a base that can withstand explosiveness. And that's that's kind of what I've been focusing on. And it's bro, it's changed like it's literally changed my life again. You know what I'm saying? It honestly, honestly has. And uh you gotta strip your ego. Get rid of a lot of the stuff that you thought you knew and just be willing to learn like a new way to train to kind of get back to, to where you want to be. And, bro, in two to three months, you'll be so much further along than you ever like than you ever could have gotten yeah. doing what you've been doing. Because what you've been doing is going out there trying to run a sprint at 100 percent on yes. day three, pulling up and then being out for another year and thinking that I'm done forever. You are most likely unless you have a catastrophic injury. You are most likely not necessarily done forever. You just got to yes. rebuild your body, get rid of your imbalances, strengthen your hips, strengthen your, like your core, like all of this stuff that go to sleep, especially when you work jobs like this and you sit in a chair all day editing videos, like that core go to sleep. You got to wake that joint back up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just educate yourself, man, and, and rebuild your body, rebuild your base. And it, it can honestly go such a long way in just changing your life and have you enjoy yourself a lot more. Yes. Than you probably have been currently. Perfectly said, man. I think. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Are we going to talk about anything else before we wrap this up? Um. Well, yeah. Real quick. Real quick. We, we can go ahead and and discuss. I wanted to talk about the um, not in too much detail, but the next generation of uh of gaming. Right. The next generation of gaming is coming up, and there is a ton. Like there's a ton of hype. Around the PS5 specifically. I've been seeing this all over the internet, bro. And I'm like kind of confused. <laughs> I don't really know what the hype is yeah. around the PS5 over the Xbox. They have pretty much the same hardware. You know what I'm saying? I think the Xbox actually has the edge in that. But, um, you know, I don't know. I wanted to see, like, are you excited about the new generation of consoles? Do you not care? Are you on either side of the fence? And if so, which one and why? You know, growing up, I, I'm a gamer just as much as I am an athlete. They yeah. go hand in hand with my life up at this point. Yeah. I was waiting in line. I got out of school early to go get the PS4. That's okay. how so, much of that kind of world I was in. Yeah. PS5, not so much. Wow. And this mostly has to do with the flaws of the PlayStation 4. Mm. Terrible Talk. security. Terrible yeah. security. Just the overall game, like how it looks compared to like PC is just straight garbage. That's a fact. The hardware itself is so poorly constructed for, it's like outdated. It's so yeah. far outdated now. 
And one of the issues that people are talking about with the PS5 is it's going to be outdated after a year or two. And with with uh, with moving to PC since I started making videos, it's just like it, that, that stuff keeps updating and you can just add a part here, add a part there. And it's so much better. Yeah. Like the games and everything looks so much better on, on the, on a, on a desktop screen from your PC. Yeah. I just think that consoles are outdated and I don't think I can get onto the hype, honestly. And I feel like the hype is based on people who are kind of like tunnel vision focused, like either you're into the games that are console exclusive and okay, that's fine. But for the people who are like me, who play like sports games and just titles that are on every system, when you're like so focused on just PlayStation or just Xbox, it's like you haven't even thought really what they are compared to like a PC. And you're just so focused on like being uh, like loyal to the brand. Yeah. As soon as I dropped that, man, it's been so much better on PC. And so that's all I have to say about that. Okay. So here's my thing. I own a PS4. Xbox One, and I play games on my PC. Um, the PC is obviously way better. Like, I've played Warzone pretty extensively on every one of the consoles. The PC is obviously head over heels better, right? The thing that excites me about the new consoles is that the the new the resolution being better is great, but the biggest thing is the, the frame rates, bro. Being able to go 120 frames on a game, it just, to me, it changes, like, the whole game. So, I'm excited about the new consoles because all of my friends play console. Yes, they can't same. necessarily afford PCs. They don't necessarily want to deal with switching over. And one of the things I don't like about PC, I play a lot of shooters, is when you use mouse and keyboard, um, I feel like I'm not, it's not easy. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm saying is I feel like the skill level of everybody using mouse and keyboard is uh is closer together because you have so much more it's so much more precision. Like it's way harder to aim on a joystick, you know what I'm saying? Even with yes. aim assist XYZ, it's harder. So when you play a, when you get really good at a shooter on a console playing against other console players, I feel like you can separate yourself better than when you play on PC. You know yes. what I'm saying? So for shooters, I, I honestly prefer playing on console, but playing at 30 frames per second is just like, ah, you know what I'm saying? Dude is skipping frames and you're dying in two bullets. You know what I'm saying? It feels yes. like. So yes. that's always a problem. So I'm excited about the new uh, the new consoles because of that frame rate, because you're going to be able to get the 4K and all of that. And I'll be able to have that experience with my friends easily. You know, I'll still get some games on my PC, but um, like if you want to play Madden, if you want to jump in a Madden franchise, it plays 50,000 times better on PC. But if your boys play on Xbox, there is no crossplay on that game. So, you know, I got to go jump on my Xbox in order to, to play against my friends or to, to get in the same thing with my friends. So that's the one reason I'm kind of excited about it. You know what I'm saying? Just to be able to get the new frame rate, to be able to get the better resolution. Yeah. I'm leaning Xbox right now. Because um, I just think the system looks better and cleaner. The PS5 yeah. looks huge and kind of looks like a router and like a toy. Like, you know what I'm saying? And like, I got like a lot of tech in my room and the Xbox will fit nicely with everything else I got. You know what I'm saying? But um, 
I'm not I'm not sure what the PS5 hype is, bro. Like it's the biggest console ever made, like I believe they said. Yeah. And uh my experience on my PS4 is not great. Like it really isn't. Like it's yeah. slow. Everything I click, like I have to leave out of the game just to invite one of my boys to a party. I mean, not you have to leave yeah. out of the app, you know. And Xbox is an overlay. It just pops up, boom. I don't have to stop what I'm doing. And it's it's snappier, bro. Yeah. So you know, so, I don't know, man. I'm I'm curious. I, I wanted to ask. I really wanted to pose this question to the audience. Are y'all excited about the new consoles? If so, which one? And please tell me why. I'm not looking for no, hey, this Xbox rules and nothing like that. I really want to know if you're choosing one over the other. What is your reason? Because I'm extremely curious. I'm gonna end up buying both eventually. But which one am I gonna get on day one? Is gonna be the question. You know what I'm saying? So I'm curious. Let me know. We might talk about this more going forward. I just wanted to bring it up real quick at the end of this one. You feel me? Awesome. Yeah. I think that's a good way to end. Yeah, yeah. We'll end right there then, man. Uh, this is episode three of the Sports Therapy Podcast, bro. Thank y'all once again. I hope y'all enjoyed it. We'll catch y'all next week for episode four. And um, be sure, I think you said this, but be sure to leave some uh, some comments down in the, in the comment section and things that y'all might want us to talk about, and we'll check that out and see if there's some topics that we can add in for the next show. You feel me? All right. Cool. All right, so, boom. Peace. Peace.